Well, I don't know about you, but I am very thankful today. I'm thankful for this beautiful weather. I'm thankful that there's a potluck after church. I'm thankful we have an awesome worship team. I'm thankful there's a potluck after church. I'm thankful Pastor Dan and Mary could get away. I'm, I'm thankful for Pastor uh, Tom's recovery from cancer. Thank you, Jesus. And after seeing all those kids up here, I'm thankful I don't teach Sunday school anymore. So will you join me in prayer before we start? Father God, thank you, Lord, for, for, for who you are, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your truth, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us where we are, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that, that we don't have to look far to find you, Father God. But the moment we turn ever so slightly to you, Lord, you come running after us, Father God. Lord, Lord, we just uh, worship you. We lift you up, Lord. We give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we are beginning our series called Finding Jesus in the Ten Commandments. And I don't know about you, but that's a little confusing to me. Because were you aware that the Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament? And, and isn't Jesus in the New Testament? So if Jesus is in the New Testament and the commandments are in the Old Testament, I don't get it. But I guess we'll figure that out. But before we start, let me ask you a question without looking up here. If you closed your eyes, could you name the Ten Commandments? And if I forced you to close your eyes right now and list them all off, could you do it? I don't know. Let's give it a shot. I'm going to put them up on the board. Let's see which ones you actually remember. So here's number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's what God sounds like, by the way. Number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Notice the Roman numbers. Number five, honor thy father and thy mother. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thus thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. And number ten, thou shalt not covet. Now truthfully, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you did what I did? How many of you said, oh yeah, I forgot about that one? Huh? Come on, I did it. Come on. I'm not going to tell you which one because that'll tell you way too much about me. But yeah, one of them popped up there and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Holy smokes. Okay. So that's what I did. Now I did that in the King James Version because that probably sounds like most of us hear it. It's why some of us don't like religion. Because it sounds like a whole bunch of do's and don'ts and don't do that. And why would you do that? And what were you thinking? And don't pick that up. And no, 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 no. And oh my goodness, do I have to come back there? Don't do that. Is that not what the Ten Commandments sound like? A whole bunch of no, no, no's. See, the Bible for a lot of us has become this whole list of don'ts. And that's why we turn away from religion. Because we don't want people telling us what to do. But did you know it could have been worse? Did you know there were originally 15 commandments in the Bible? Yeah, 15, yeah. Bobby's giving me the look like she doesn't believe me. 
She's given me that look before. That's why I recognize it. <laughs> yes, there were 15, because, but you don't believe me, Bobby, so I'm going to prove it. I actually have a video proof. I have video proof that there were originally 15 commandments. Take a look at this. Moses went to the mountain, and God spoke unto him. Moses, this is the Lord thy God commanding you to obey my law. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. What? Nothing, I punish you, forget it. Oh, Lord, why have you chosen me? What would you have me do for you? I shall give you my laws, and you shall take them unto the people. Yes, Lord! Lord, I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me! Oh, hear me! All pay heed! The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen... Ten! Ten commandments for all to obey! Yeah, now you believe me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen commandments. Yep. But it all comes down to this with these ten commandments. God's not very fun, is he? No, he's not a fun God. He's a mean God. Yeah. Bobby, yeah, look, I got a picture of him, Bobby. Here's a picture of mean God. Yes. <laughs> Not fun. No, and he gives me all these commandments and all these do's and don'ts. I don't like it. We don't like that. We like fun, God. Huh? We like fun Jesus. Fun, happy. Here's a picture of fun, happy Jesus. Yeah. 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 Looks a lot like Colby Ferris when you think about it. Yeah, we like fun Jesus, not mean Jesus. So if Jesus is cool and mean God wrote the Ten Commandments, how can we find Jesus in the Ten Commandments? Well, we're going to get there. But before we get there, let me take you on a little journey. The Ten Commandments actually begin where the Bible begins. It actually begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God or the breath of God, was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, if you had taken the names of God class with Debbie Kuykendall and I, you would know that there are many names for God. We translate in our Bible as God, but throughout the Bible, there's many different names for God. There, there, there's God, our healer. There's God, our protector. God, our banner. There's many different names for God. And the very first one we looked at in class was this one right here. Because if you look at the original Hebrew, the name God right here actually says, it's actually the word Elohim. And Elohim means mighty God. Or God of strength and power. So in the beginning, mighty God created the heavens and the earth. And the interesting thing about Elohim is, it's not singular. I'm not talking about one. It's almost as if I'm saying, and I'm not saying this, but it's almost as if I'm saying, in the beginning, 
gods, plural, created the heavens and the earth. Because Elohim is more than one. What's the more than one? Well, the more than one is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we can see that throughout the Bible if we look into the Hebrew. So if we look at the first verse here from Genesis 14, 18, this is God the Father is showing as El. El means God singular. Elohim plural, El singular. And so this is what it says in Genesis 14, 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High, or El. That's Father God. And then if we look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14, and you should know this verse, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. El. If you look at the original Hebrew text, Emmanuel is El, God. And then the Holy Spirit is also called El. The Spirit of God, El, has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all L. They're all God. L plus L plus L equals Elohim. More than one. So I'm not too far off if I said in the beginning Jesus created the heavens and the earth. We can also look at John 1.1. 1, 1. This is from the Living Bible. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. So right from the very start, right from the very beginning, Jesus existed. Before the Ten Commandments, before anything else, we have Jesus. Jesus in the Old Testament. And you'll see Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And you'll see Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus existed throughout all of it. So in the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. And then something amazing happens. God speaks. God speaks, and this is what he said. Then God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. God spoke it, and it was. And we can continue on down through, and then God speaks again. And God says, let there be a horizon. And there is a horizon, and the sea and the sky were separated. And then what happens? God speaks again and says, let dry land appear. And guess what? It appeared. And then God speaks again and says, let the earth produce vegetation. And guess what? It did. And then God speaks again and says, let there be light in the sky. And there was the moon and the sun and the stars, all created when God spoke. And then God speaks again because he's not done. And the fish and the birds and every living animal were created. And then God speaks again and he blessed all of the animals, and said, be fruitful and multiply. And they did. And then God speaks again and says, let us, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us create man in our own image. And it was so, male and female, he created them. So throughout all of this, every word that it says God, it's Elohim speaking. So the first thing I want you to take away from today is this. We serve a God who speaks. 
And if we look back at everything we just covered, I want you to know this, that when God speaks, there is light and darkness, and we go from darkness to light. When God speaks, there is creation. What did not exist now exists just at his word. And when God speaks, there is newness. And when God speaks, we are blessed. And then here's the takeaway. If you want to write one thing down for today, write this. When God speaks, everything changes for the better. Now, you would know that if you looked at our next level class or you took our next level class on the books of the Bible, and yes, I'm plugging the next level classes. If you took our next level class on the books of the Bible, we learned something right away. At the creation of man, when they were in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. And we were God's people living in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And everything was perfect. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was peace. There was harmony. Because we were in God's, we were God's people living in God's place under God's rule and blessing. But that doesn't last too long, does it? Adam and Eve sinned. And God cast them out of the Garden of Eden. And he cast them out into this world. But still, God pursues. And God wants a relationship with us. But we're separated from God. We've got this separation going on. And then Adam and Eve have children, Cain and Abel. And you know what happens when you have children? Everything goes crazy, right? And that didn't go too well either. Let me tell you. Cain and Abel were a handful. One day Cain goes to his father, Adam, and says, Daddy, why don't we live in the Garden of Eden anymore? And Adam said, it's because your mother ate us out of house melon. <laughs> Wasn't sure that one was going to make it. I went, ooh, that was, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> okay, we're good, all right. All my excuses for it I can put away now. Okay, yeah, all right. So all that happens, and then what happens? We go, we go fast forward hundreds of years. We go fast forward till the world is a complete mess. And God says, I, I can't handle this anymore. And he sends a flood over the entire land. And only spares Noah and his family and his sons and their wives and all the animals. And everything else is gone. And then we fast forward again hundreds of years, and we come to this guy named Abram or Abraham. And Abraham's 90 years old. And Abraham's pretty wealthy. And he's pretty well off. But he's got nobody to leave his money to. Nobody to leave his stuff to. Because he and his wife, also 90 plus years old, they're childless. And he asked God for children. But he's 90 plus years old. The impossible. So God speaks. But this time it's not Elohim. This time it's Yahweh. The Lord. This time it's Yahweh, the God. He, God speaks, and this is what God says. God says, Abraham, look at the sky and try to count the stars. You will have as many descendants as that. Think about a promise like that when to you and me, impossible. To you and me, not going to happen. I'm 90, she's 90, and I'm going to have all these descendants? I don't think so. But that's what God said. And Abraham, by faith, believed it. God speaks to a 90-year-old man and says, Abram, I'm not done with you yet. 
And today he's speaking to everyone in this room and he's saying, I'm not done with you either. God is never done with us. So when God speaks, there is light and we go from darkness to light. And when God speaks, there is creation. When God speaks, there is newness. When God speaks, we are blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. Because when God speaks, everything changes for the better. And just as with the light and horizon and creation, Abraham was blessed. And his descendants did multiply. And they were greater than all those stars in the sky. And they go down to Egypt and they're blessed again. And they multiply again. And now they live in peace with the Egyptians. And now we move from Genesis into the book of Exodus. See, Pastor Dan can only do like six verses. I just did a whole chapter for you right there. That's right. We're in, now we're in the book of Exodus. And everything's going well. But then in the book of Exodus, we find out we meet a new pharaoh, a new king of Egypt. And this king doesn't like the, the, the Israelites. He doesn't like the Hebrews because they're multiplying too fast. So he wants to put a stop to all this. He's afraid. He's afraid they're going to multiply too fast and side with his enemies. He's afraid that he's going to lose something in this whole transaction. He's afraid. And so he does everything he can to oppress the Hebrews. But guess what happens? They multiply even more. They keep growing in size and number more and more and more. And the Pharaoh's got regrets. I should have handled this sooner. Fear and regret and loss. That's what the Pharaoh's looking at. And then a little Hebrew baby is born and his name is Moses. And they were trying to kill all the baby boys. So Moses' mom put him in a little basket and floated him down the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him as her own. And he grew up. And many years later, a Hebrew raised as an Egyptian saw an Egyptian beating a slave, a Hebrew slave, and he killed the Egyptian. And then the Pharaoh found out, and the Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill Moses. So Moses took off. And all the stuff I'm talking about in the last couple of minutes was hundreds of years. Hundreds and hundreds of years of being oppressed, being a slave, living in the land of slavery. And Moses goes away for many years. But the Hebrews, the children of Israel, cry out to God and he hears them. And if you cry out to God, he'll hear you too. But they cry out to God and they hear and God goes to Moses and speaks. Again, God speaks and this is what he says. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And God says to Moses, just like he says to you right now, I will be with you. You're not doing this alone. Whatever God's calling to you, you're not alone. I'll be with you. And just as it, God said, and with God's power, Moses led the children of Israel out of captivity, and he points them to the promised land. So when God speaks, there's light. We go from darkness to light. When God speaks, there's creation. When God speaks, there's newness. When God speaks, we're blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. And when God speaks, he reveals his way and we are set free. When God speaks, everything changes for the better. 
So God's children now are they're out of Egypt, right? They're out of slavery. They're heading to the promised land. And God, Yahweh, gives this message to Moses to give to everyone, even to us today. And here's the message. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession, life spring. Out of all the peoples, indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you, life spring, shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. And the people heard this and said to Moses, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They heard it and they obeyed. And now guess where we are? Yeah, we made it. We made it to the Ten Commandments. Pete, why would you give us all that stuff? Because there's a reason for that. And today we'll be looking at the first commandment, Exodus 20, and this is what it says. And God spoke, there's God talking again, all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. God is Elohim. Elohim is back. So this is what it says from the names of the book Bible. Then Elohim spoke all these words. I am Yahweh, your Elohim, who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Never have any other God. So Father God speaks, and Holy Spirit speaks, and Jesus speaks. I am Yahweh, the Lord your God, your Elohim, your mighty God. Allow me, says God, to reintroduce myself to you. When I was growing up, my dad was in the military. And for about four years, he, he oversaw a training battalion. And I got to go down to where he worked a lot. So I always got to see the new recruits come in. And it's a blast when you're in junior high to watch it. I wouldn't want to live through it, but I would watch it. It was a blast. And the very first day, what happens is the drill instructor introduces himself to the recruit, to the boot. So the DI says to the boot, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If there is anything I can do for you over the next eight to ten week period, please feel free to call on me. I only said that for Jody because Andrew's in the military right now. So that's what he's going through, Jody. Okay, now plug your ears and I'll tell them what really happens. No, 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 they don't do that. As soon as they step off the bus, they get right in their face. And they start screaming at them. And they start telling them, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, pick that up, put that down. And then they say my favorite line. They always said my favorite line. And I've remembered it all these years. They always say to every recruit, I am your mama and your papa. In other words, I'm everything. For the next eight to ten weeks, you've got no mama and papa because I'm it. And that's really what God is saying here to us. Not with drill instructor tone, but he's really saying to us, I'm everything to you. I'm your everything. And conversely, just as I'm your everything, you're everything to me. 
God wants that relationship with us. God wants that special covenant with us. That we are his people and he is our God. And Jesus continues after that and he says, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You've been in bondage for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was me who brought you out. And I have all these people in church and you don't have to look far down one row or the other to find somebody who can tell you about their Egypt, their bond of slavery. You could look at anybody to your left or right and they'll be able to tell you that they were once in a land of slavery until Jesus brought them out. I've got my own story. There's millions of people here that have their own story too about how Jesus brought us out of Egypt, out of a place of bondage, into a land of freedom. And if I had to describe it, I would say it like this. When God did that for me, when Jesus did that for me, he allowed me to be myself. I could finally relax and be who I am. I didn't have to pretend anymore. I didn't have to perform anymore. I didn't have to do anything special. I just had to be me. And that's what God wants for you today, too. He created you for a special purpose and a special reason. And he wants to bring you to himself so that he can fulfill that in you. And then he says, you shall have no other gods before me. And this is the part that sounds like mean God, doesn't it? Can't have any of that. Only this. Sounds like mean God. It's almost a demand, isn't it? You'll have no other gods, just me. But let's look at the whole picture. This is why I brought you through the entire book of Genesis and then 19 chapters into Exodus. After the Garden of Eden, we were out of the presence of God. And then it got worse because when left to our own decisions, we're always going to choose the selfish way out because it's just up to us. And God's people ended up in Egypt. And in Egypt, they celebrated and worshipped many gods. Here's a list of a few of the gods they have. Isis, Ostris, Horus, Amun, Ra, etc. You take this list here, you add 2,000 more to it, you have all the gods they worshipped in Egypt. They had gods of every shape. They even had a god who gave cold water to the dead people while they were waiting for judgment. They had a god just for that. 2,000 gods. And these people have been living there their whole life. So Jesus is saying, if you really want to live in freedom, you're going to have to let all of that go and worship only me. There's only one God, and it's me. One day Jesus is talking to his disciples, and Thomas said to him, Lord, how can we know the way? I love that. You ever ask God that? Lord, which way am I supposed to go? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way. I'm God. So when God speaks, there is light. And we go from darkness to light. And when God speaks, there's creation. When God speaks, there's newness. When God speaks, we're blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. When God speaks, he reveals his way and we are set free. When God speaks, there is truth. When God speaks, everything 
changes for the better. So what's this commandment say? God's number one, right? Is that what it says? God's number one. Where's my foam finger? God's number one, right? Let's put it in NFL terms. Most of us can agree that the Seahawks are number one. Not all of us, most of us, right? Seahawks are number one. Amen. I got an amen from Pastor Wayne. Seahawks are number one. But I know in the back of the room, his cap just taken off, is somebody who loves the Green Bay Packers. And this guy, probably this whole family, thinks the Packers are number one. No, just you. I want you to know something. I can live with that. I can accept that. I like the pack. I can root for the pack. I got no ill will towards the Packers. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks are number As long as we're not playing the Seahawks, I'm on your side. I'm rooting for you. We got somebody else in the back. I'm not going to pick him out. He thinks the Niners are number one. I can live with that. Yeah, not as much as the pack, but meh, right? So the Niners are number one. Okay, let's go for that. Then there might be somebody here who thinks the Patriots are number one. No, I can't live with that. No, no, no. That's wrong. Yeah, I had to say that, but no, I can't do that. So is that what God's saying here? I want to be number one? That's not what God's saying here. God's saying, I am. You will have no other gods before me. What's that mean? Here's what the word before means. I don't want any other gods upon me, above me, over me, about me, beside me, around me, even with me, next to near me, in the same presence as me. No other gods. I'm Jesus. He doesn't want to be part of your life. He wants to be life for you. So, since we don't worship the 2,000 gods of Egypt, what gods are we in danger of worshiping? To answer that, let me ask you a couple of questions, and I'll give you some examples. This isn't all-inclusive, but it'll give you a good idea. The first question is this, what are you afraid of? Sometimes our fears overtake us, and they become greater than God. Sometimes our fear and our worry and our doubt and our anxiety overtakes us. So they become greater than God. And sometimes we're comfortable in that. We've been afraid so long, we're comfortable living in fear. I'm sure the Egyptians were, because all through the desert, what they kept saying, maybe we should go back. Because at least back there we had this. God was leading them to the promised land, but they kept looking backwards. They were afraid because they were comfortable with that. They knew that. In John 5, Jesus comes to the pools of Bethsaida where the sick and the blind and the lame and the withered went because it was believed, it was superstition, that if you laid around those pools that an angel would come down every once in a while, stir up the pools, and if you could get in first, you would be healed. That was the superstition. So all these people, and these are big pools, these are very large Lots and lots of people laying around there. And Jesus comes by, and he sees this man, and he knows this man, and he, he knows this guy's been there for 38 years waiting to be healed. And Jesus asks him this simple question. 
Do you wish to get well? What's the answer to that one? Yeah. Well, what's he say? He doesn't say yes. He comes up with all the excuses as to why it can't be. He says, well, there's nobody when the pools stir up. There's nobody to help me in the water. And Jesus just speaks to him. And Jesus says, get up, rise up, take up your mat and walk. And at the word of Jesus, the man was healed. And Jesus later found this man in the temple. So he went from worshiping superstition to worshiping God. So when God speaks, there's light. We go from darkness to light. When God speaks, there's creation. When God speaks, there's newness. When God speaks, we're blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. When God speaks, he reveals his way and we are set free. When God speaks, there is truth. When God speaks, there is healing. When God speaks, everything changes for the better. So what are you afraid of? Think about that this week. Here's the second question. What do you regret? We all hang on to regrets. We own them, and we don't let them go. We believe the past is the past, and there's nothing we can do about that. So we hang on to that regret. We think we burn too many bridges to ever go home again. But that's not true when it comes to Jesus. See, in the last chapter of Mark, we read that early in the morning on the first day of the week, several women came to the tomb where Jesus had been buried. But they're met by this angel who says, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter. Why Peter? Peter was a disciple. Why tell the disciples and Peter? Because the answer is because Peter was guilty of denying Christ. Christ has said to all his disciples, Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father in heaven. And then Peter told Jesus he would never deny him, even if it meant death. And Jesus says, Before the rooster crows, before this evening is out, you're going to deny me three times. And it is just as Jesus says it is. And on that third time, Jesus looked right at Peter. Regrets? Yeah, I think Peter's got a few. How can you let Jesus down like that? How can I? How can you? We like to hang on to the past, but God tells us in Isaiah 43, he tells us this with respect to our past. I'm going to do a brand new thing. See, I've already begun it. Don't you see it? I will make a road through the wilderness of the world for my people to go home. So when God speaks, there is light. We go from darkness to light. When God speaks, there is creation. When God speaks, there is newness. When God speaks, we're blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. When God speaks, he reveals his way and we are set free. When God speaks, there is truth. When God speaks, there is healing. And when God speaks, there is redemption. When God speaks, everything changes for the better. So what are you regretting? And the last question is this. What have you lost? Jesus and his disciples came to the city called Nain. And as they're entering the city, there's a funeral procession coming the other way. The dead man was the only son of a widow. 
We have a woman who's lost her husband and her son. She's lost everything, and she's lost hope. I mean, doesn't death finalize everything? Well, not for Jesus. He has compassion on the woman, and he tells her, do not weep. Jesus walks up, and he puts his hand on the coffin, and the pallbearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And then I love this line, Jesus gave him back to his mother. See, when God speaks, there's light. We go from darkness to light. When God speaks, there's creation. When God speaks, there's newness. When God speaks, we are blessed. When God speaks, there are promises made and promises fulfilled. When God speaks, he reveals his way and we're set free. When God speaks, there is truth. When God speaks, there's healing. When God speaks, there's redemption. And when God speaks, there is life. When God speaks, everything changes for the better. Let me close with this. There's a lot of you probably who have heard me talk about God speaking today. And you might be thinking, well, God never speaks to me. Let me challenge you something. I'm going to give you a seven-day challenge for the next seven days. And there's nothing magical about what I'm going to ask you to do. There's nothing magical about the number seven. I'm just going to ask you to do this for the next seven days. Because I believe if you do this, you will start to hear God speak to you. For the next seven days, when you wake up, the very first thing I want you to do is I want you to speak God's word out loud. Just find a verse and speak it out loud. And I've got a couple of examples for you. You can use these or find your own. But I'll tell you, this is what I do. This is what I try to do every single morning. And I whisper so I don't wake my wife up. But I say it out loud. Okay? My first one is this. I say, today is the day, Lord, you, today, today, Lord, whew, today is the day that you have made, Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I start it with that. If I know I'm going to have a challenging day, I use this one. Lord, grant me success today according to your loving kindness. And if I'm looking for peace, I'll say, Lord, today you give me strength and you bless me with your peace. Before your feet even hit the floor, proclaim God's word. And you're going to start to hear him speak to you. And I'll also leave you with this message from God that's on the bottom of your handout. The blanks are where you enter your name. And this is what it says, and I'll put my name in there. And Jesus spoke these words to me. He said, Pete, I am Jesus, your Lord. I went to the cross for you, Pete, and in doing so, I paid for everything. Your guilt, your shame, your regrets, your disappointments, your lack, all of it is no more. I brought you from being in bondage to a life of freedom. And even when you choose to go back, I pursue you and find you and bring you back. You are redeemed, Pete. You are free. Stop looking for life and lifeless things. Stop looking for another way. I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Don't let anything get in the way of our relationship. Come to me and you will find rest and peace and hope and love. Come to me and you will find purpose. Come to me and you will find abundant life. That's for all of us today. Will you close with me in prayer? Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you are our God and we are your children, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us and you love us, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you pursue us, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, no matter where we go or what you do, Father God, you are constantly pursuing us because you love us and you want a relationship with us, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us right where we are. Lord, we lift you up today, Father God. 
And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And if anyone needs prayer after service, I will be up here. Others will be up here. Uh, Let's just give God all the glory. Let's just put God first in our lives. So we thank you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.